Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. Thank you so much, worship team, for that. So I want to give you guys a challenge before we start. I want everyone to take out their cell phones really quick. Take out your cell phones. I know what? My, my cell phone? Yes. And then what I want you to do is put it in the middle of the table right now. Oh, gotcha, right? But put it face down. And it's an easy challenge, okay? Can you last 10 minutes, 10 minutes without looking at your phone or being tempted to look at your phone? It's that simple. 10 minutes is all I'm asking of you guys. Now, some of you might need to reach back for it, but uh, I'm assuming, I believe we have the scriptures in the screen, so you won't even need your phone to look up a Bible verse because it's going to be on the screen for y'all, okay? But what I really want us to do is focus in, zoom in, and just allow us 10 minutes to just be with Jesus, to focus in on his word, because I promise you that as we read scripture, as we seek Jesus, that our lives will be changed. I wholeheartedly believe that because my life has been changed. And in this particular passage that we're about to read is one of my favorite verses in the entire scripture, okay? And I really don't want you to miss out, okay? Because we're continuing our series in the book of Ephesians and uh, we're gonna be in chapter two. Okay, we're going to be in chapter two. If you have a physical Bible, go ahead and open it to Ephesians chapter two. If not, we'll be on the screen. But before that, I want to share with you a quick story. Um, actually, really quick. Has anybody gone to Disneyland before? Anybody? Yeah, a few people have gone to Disneyland. I have never been to Disneyland. My dad went to Disneyland. He never took me, but he went. Uh, it's okay. He was young when he had me. And so him and his family did a little family trip. Um, so I forgive him, but he never took me. So. I'm really hurt. But anyway, there's a, there's a story that I want to share with you about a little girl, okay? And this is out of a, a book called Proof. You can go look for it later. There's this story of a little girl who was adopted, okay? She was adopted by a family, but things didn't go very well for her in this adopted family. She was a little girl, and eventually the family actually ended up not adopting her. So they kind of like canceled the adoption. They said, no, we're not going to adopt her anymore. Um, and so this new family who is the author ended up adopting this little girl. And one of the things that this little girl really wanted to do was go to Disneyland. Like that's all she wanted to do was go to Disneyland. In fact, the author writes how he found out that the family that she used to be with, her former adopted family, would go to Disneyland, but they would leave her with a family member or a relative, and they wouldn't take her to Disneyland. They would take just the immediate family. So imagine this little girl, right, hearing all these stories when they come home and they pick her up about how great Disneyland was and all the things, all the toys they got, all the shirts or whatever, the photos they have, and she's not included in any single one of them. And all she wants to do is go to Disneyland. So this father... The new adoptive father says, you know what? I'm going to plan a trip and we're going to go to Disneyland because he wanted to make sure um, that she had this experience, so that, that she would know that she's loved and cared for. But he did not expect that leading up to the trip, talking about Disneyland, that this little girl would start misbehaving. And so what he realized is that all her past experiences from the former family that didn't take her to Disneyland actually created some sort of anger or hatred towards anything Disneyland related, even though they were going to go together. And so leading up to that trip, she started, you know, stealing things like around the house, lying about things. She started being mean to her older sister. And then the day gets closer and 
And she looks at him and says, hey, I don't know what you're going to do, dad. Like, you know, you're, you're probably not going to take me to Disneyland, right? She realized that she had probably messed up so much and she's tried to fix things, but it's just not, it's not the way it's going to go. And he says in his book that he admits that, that it was very hard for him uh, to take her, right? But then somehow the spirit moved in his mind and he was reminded of something and he said to her, are you part of this family? And she said, yes. And he said, then you're going to Disneyland. You're going to Disneyland. And so he takes her to Disneyland and, and you know, they have a great time. And the first day they come back after the first day, because they were going to go for a few days, she, he goes, how was, how, how was your first day at Disneyland? She says, man, dad, it was so amazing. It was everything I could dream for and wish for. And then she looks at him and said, you know, dad, you didn't take me to Disneyland because I was good. In fact, I was terrible. But you took me because, because I'm yours. Man, this, this, this little girl realized that Everything that she had done, every bad thing that she had done didn't matter because she was a daughter of him. And because she was a part of this family, she was not going to be left behind. And he even goes on to say that he thought things were going to get better, but she still misbehaved, you know, later after Disney and things like that. But the point wasn't the fact that he wanted her to necessarily change or he thought that there, was, that, that, that there was going to be a contingency that if I take you, you better start behaving. You know, he said, you're a part of the family. I'm going to take you. And she realized, man, I'm your daughter. And that's why you took me, not because I was good. And that is what is something called grace. Receiving something that you don't deserve or earn, but simply receiving it as a gift because someone loves you. That is grace. And this father to his adopted daughter displayed grace on her lavishing love on her by taking her to Disneyland, even though she didn't deserve it. And we're going to read in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10, what that grace looks like, but also what it's done for us. Because believe it or not, we've read uh, last week how in our old life, we were sinners, we were dead. In fact, we indulged in a lot of things that separated us from God. But in our new life, that we're supposed to be redeemed, that we're supposed to have purpose, right? That we've been forgiven. And we're going to see how that came to be through grace. So verses 6 through 10, I'm going to read it really quick and then we'll break it down. And then I promise it'll go by fast. Starting in verse 6, he says, He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God, not from work so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Number one, Jesus never runs out of grace. Jesus never runs out of of grace. In verse 7, he says that we have been, in verse 6 and 7, it says that we have been seated with him, right? But it was for a specific purpose to also show how his grace is immeasurable. If you have, if you're underlining or highlighting in your, in your phone or whatever it may be, highlight that word, immeasurable riches of his grace, that phrase. And understand that Jesus, no matter how much you've sinned, no matter how many things you've done, his grace is greater, there's a song by, by Brandon Lake that I totally would love for you to go and listen to. It's called Greater Still, 
right? It's part of the, the, the live sessions that he has. And he talks in this, uh, in this uh, chorus that he says, my shame was great, but your love was greater still. My guilt was great, but your love was greater still, right? My sin was deep, but your love was greater still. He never runs out of grace. And this displays his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. You see, in order to have grace, there needs to be this prerequisite that is rooted in kindness. And in order to be kind, you must have some sort of affection for something, right? Whether or not we like it doesn't mean, uh, doesn't reflect whether or not we should do it. In other words, I'll put it this way. I love my friends, I, I really do. And I have some friends that I can't stand though, but I love them. Has any ever, man, has anybody ever been just like so mad at somebody, right? So angry, but you're like, oh, I just love you. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do this, right? There's this certain level of like, no, you're still my brother and you're really upsetting me right now. But my love for you is so great. In fact, I'm reminded that Jesus' grace never runs out. So my love for you will also display that. Because if he has immeasurable grace for me, then that means I can display that to you and be reminded of Jesus' kindness towards me. Right? Number two, Jesus gives us his grace. So not only does he have immeasurable amounts of grace, which by the way, his grace is on everybody. Right? The fact that there are people in this world that are alive and breathing, that don't know him, that don't want to follow him, is a display of his grace. They don't deserve to be alive. They don't deserve to, to walk this earth. To be, none of us do. None of us do. But the fact that Jesus gives us his grace is a sign of his immeasurable grace, but also his love for humanity. John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And in verse 17, he says, for I, did, I came in this, into this world not to condemn it, but to save it, right? That is Jesus's primary goal. Verse eight says that you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God. When you receive a gift, right? Hopefully this person doesn't give you a receipt, <laughs> Hopefully they just give it to you because sometimes I feel like, including myself, I give a gift and I'm like, ah, oh, here's a receipt just in case they don't want it. But with God, there are no receipts. There are no receipts with God. You can't give it back. Once he gives you his grace, you have his grace. Okay, you can try all your best to reject it, but it's irresistible. His grace is irresistible because once you experience it, you're gonna want more of it. Not even, but not because you deserve it, but because you know this is the greatest thing that could ever happen to you. The moment that you have an encounter with Jesus and, your great, and his grace is lavished upon you, you get saved. It's a gift from God. And you respond though, but you respond by receiving it and saying, Jesus, I will accept you as my Lord and Savior and I, and I, and I, and I surrender to you. You have no choice but to do it. Not because you're robots, not because you're, you're programmed, but because it's so good. Like how, how is it possible when you have a true experience with the grace of God that you rejected, it's not, you can't. It's too overwhelming. It's too satisfying. It's too good not to receive it. It's so good. And Jesus, 
continues to, to display that to us when he gives us his grace by dying on the cross, right? But remember, this is through faith. So what happens is that Jesus gives us his grace by dying on the cross, resurrecting, and says, whoever believes in me will be saved. So there's a faith aspect to it. So once you experience it, you receive it, you respond in faith, knowing, one, that you are cleansed, that you are no longer bound by sin, that you don't belong to the enemy anymore, but you belong to Jesus, that you are now adopted sons and daughters, just like the little girl. You are now in the family. And point number three, I'm sorry, also it's not from works. Remember, you did not earn this, right? This little girl in the family, right, didn't, uh, j- uh, didn't do anything good to deserve this, right? She didn't, she didn't do anything that made her father want to take her to Disneyland even more. In fact, she did things that made, her not, made him not want to take her. But because of God's grace, he does it anyway because it's not from works, it's a gift. And lastly, Jesus displays his grace in us. He displays his grace in us. In other words, in verse 10, it says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. In the original text, if you go back and read the original language, workmanship talks about being the work of art. So you, in a sense, those of us who have repented and believed in Jesus, right? Or every, and honestly, every human that's created in the image of God is a certain work of art by God. But those that have been saved by grace, not only have you been saved, but you're such a masterpiece that he also has created a purpose for you to walk in and good works for you to do because that is how he created you to be. That is what happens when you become an adopted son or an adopted daughter, right? I, I love watches. I like watching watch videos. And if you notice, uh, building a watch, it's really cool, right? So like sometimes uh, I'll see a video where they send in an old watch and it's like super nasty, super dirty. And then they clean it and they, and they put all these little like, little like cogs and like uh, pins and stuff to fix it. And it looks literally brand, it's literally brand new. And then as soon as it's winded up and it starts moving, it starts clicking, right? Whoa, the timing of that. It starts clicking and it starts working and it starts doing something. What is it meant to do? It's, it's meant to tell me the time. Now it's working correctly. And so with God, when he restores us, he makes us new it's not just so that we're saved, but it's also so that you could do the good works that he prepared for you. He says, okay, now you're saved. Guess what? You're on my team. You're my family. As a family, we go and love people. So guess what? There's a person right here sitting next to you in your classroom that I'm asking you to go love. There's a person on this soccer team that I'm asking you to go share the gospel and say, hey, do you know how loved you are by Jesus? There's a neighbor that is being abused, that is being harmed, that feels like they can't be loved by anybody. And I'm telling you, go be that love to that neighbor. You see, this this is too good for us to keep to ourselves, guys. This is too good for us to keep to ourselves. And we are called to be the light in this world that Jesus has over-lavished his grace on us, that he never runs out of grace and he gives it to us, right? but he also gives us a purpose with that. It's a full circle. It's a full circle. And some of us in here, 
need to make that decision to follow Jesus, need to repent and believe in that. And my hope and prayer is that you would ask questions, that you would sense the Holy Spirit working in your heart right now. And you've never made that decision. If you've never done that, I, I, I highly recommend that you talk to your leader and ask them what this is about because I believe that God is moving. I believe the Holy Spirit continues to move. And there are people in this room that need to know how much they're loved and how much grace God has for you, past, present, or future sins. I still mess up today. I'll mess up tomorrow. But Jesus's grace is deeper. You are forgiven. You are loved. Believe it in faith. And then go do what he's called you to do. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I thank you for this evening. I thank you, Lord, that you're so good to us, that you have lavished your grace on us, that we don't deserve it, but because we are your adopted sons and daughters, you give it to us freely as a gift. We cannot resist it because it's so good. And so help us to continue to see the goodness in that. Help us to continue to believe that we are forgiven, that any sin that is marked on our, on our hearts is gone because of the blood of Jesus that has been purifying that sin, purifying our hearts I pray, Lord, for those that are in our, in our families or in our circle of friends that don't know you, that we would be a, a light to them, that we would reflect your love to them, and that ultimately we would see a whole generation of young students come to know you, that we would see a revival come to the valley through the power of your Holy Spirit and through the students that are here in this room. To your name we pray, and everyone said, amen.